0: Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network. You're listening to Powerbombs and Potables brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at PowerbombsPPN for pro wrestling news and talk. You can also follow us on Instagram and untap at Process Potables. Check out our other shows on Twitter at Process Potables, at PucksPPN, and at PopcornPPN. For Sixers and NBA talk, for Flyers and NHL talk, and for movies in the Podcast Potables Network family of shows. For news, blog posts, info on breweries we've worked with, and so much more, make sure to check out www.processpotables.com. Well, this week was another fun week of pro wrestling magic that was topped with a great dynamite, a very, very fast-paced raw, and a lot more things on the social media we'll talk about it on this week's power bombs and potables Welcome to this week's Powerbombs and Potables on the Podcast Potables Network. My name is Corey Oates. I am your host. Every single weekend, Monday morning, we drop it for you, recapping the week that was in professional wrestling uh, shows as well as news uh, and so much more. And there's a lot on the bones this week. But like every week, we start off with this week's Quick Sips. All right, so for this week's quick sips, let me let me take this bad boy out of the, uh, the yeti that we got going in here. So our friends at Three Threes Brewing, we talk about these guys all the time on all of the various podcasts that we have here in the Power Bombs, uh, the Podcast Potables Network. Uh, this time, our one of our favorites is the Escape from Reality, very Back to the Future themed can, uh, but this time they have double dry hopped the Escape from Reality. So we're talking about a uh, double dry hop IPA, and this is just as good, if not even better, than the original Escape from Reality. This baby clocks in at uh, 8%. Uh, I'm pretty sure they still have some of this that they recently canned about a weekend or two ago. So if you are in the South Jersey area, make sure that you head on over to Three Threes to get yourself some of this while supplies last. I'm going to take a quick little sip now that we're opening it all the way. Ah, damn, that's wonderful. All right, on to the news this week. While Martha Hart refuses to work with the WWE, she has agreed to work with Kaleidoscope Film Distribution, who announced that they are working on a new Owen Hart documentary called Owen, uh, which will feature never-before-seen footage, according to a sports report by Screen Daily. The film will feature new interviews with Ellen's family and friends, including Bret Hart. There will be unseen family footage featured as well, with more wrestling names to be added in the future. The film will be directed by Joe Lewis and Keaton Stone, and Western Edge Pictures' Vaughn Savelle producing. Uh, Dr. Martha Hart will executive produce with Kaleidoscope CEO Spencer Pollard and Lee Brazer. According to a report from Bloomberg, the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, Long Island, New York, is closing down indefinitely. The former Brooklyn, New Jersey Nets owner, uh, Mikhail uh, Prokrov's uh, Sports and Entertainment, which uh, operates uh, the building under a lease from Nassau County, is seeking investors to take over the operations of the venue and renaming, uh, I'm sorry, and the remaining debt on the building, which is in the $100 million range. Uh, WWE has been running shows at Nassau Coliseum since the 1970s. Uh, big events including uh, WrestleMania two, uh, one of the three venues, as well as SummerSlam 2002. Some, uh, WWE last ran a show there in July of 2019. Well, Pat Buck was one of the many WWE producers let go back in April, but it's now been confirmed that he's already been made his full-time return to the company. Uh, Ringside News first reported Pat Buck returned this week at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. We've since confirmed that the reports uh, with the sources here, Buck was one of the producers who was let go or furloughed amidst the widespread cost-cutting measures to prepare for the impact of the COVID-19. Other producers who were let go or furloughed at the time included Shane Helms, Lance Storm, Dave Finley, and several others. The company also released at that point wrestlers such as Rusev, Leo Rush, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Kurt Angle, Zack Ryder, Heath Slater, Kurt Hawkins and so many more, including Drake Maverick, who, well, he's already made his return uh, as well to NXT TV. Well, after last Sunday's Backlash pay-per-view, Edge has undergone surgery, successful surgery, to repair a torn tricep suffered during his match at Backlash. Uh, the statement from WWE reads, WWE Digital has confirmed that Edge suffered a torn triceps as a result of injuries sustained during the greatest wrestling match ever. Edge has undergone a successful surgery and is currently rehabbing at home news of the injury was first reported by Fightful, uh, in case you missed it the rated R superstar was defeated by Randy Orton in the greatest wrestling match ever uh, the match was filmed in advance but it, the injury was kept under wraps, uh, current estimates show Edge could be out of action for up to uh, four, from four to eight months, now if you missed our recap, myself and Dan recapped that last week on the feed here for Power Bombs and Potables, the live recap podcast after the show went off the air when WWE announced that AJ Styles was being moved to SmackDown, they noted that Styles came to SmackDown in exchange for quote-unquote superstars to be named later. Well, one of those superstars appears to be Dolph Ziggler. Uh, and I'm sure there will be more names in the coming weeks as WWE sees fit. Now with Bruce Pritchard heading the writing teams, he's going to find out the happy medium of where he obviously wants everybody to be. Uh, news today came out. Chris Wright better known to ECW alumni as C.W. Anderson, uh, announced today on his Facebook page that he is retiring from professional wrestling. Anderson debuted in 1993 and eventually found his way to ECW back in 1999. He was there until the company closed and was purchased by the WWF in 2001 uh, before moving back to the independent scene. Uh, He worked several dark matches for WWE before appearing appearing at ECW's one-night stand, both in 2005 and 2006. Then he joined the brand full-time upon the relaunch and was noted for having several matches, including a couple, I believe, with uh, CM Punk uh, back on the relaunch of ECW. He said... I lost my love for it, the passion that I had, and when I said I was stopping love, (laughs) and when I said I stopped loving it, I would walk away. Uh, I love C.W. Anderson, and uh, if you want some C.W. Anderson matches to check out, check out his matches with Tommy Dreamer from uh, Massacre on 34th Street, December 2000, that pay per view for ECW, and then January's guilty as charged ecw pay-per-view in 2001 both of them against tommy dreamer uh some of his best matches right there if you want something to go out with some cw anderson um on to the final two topics of our new section but there's a lot of meat on the bones for this i will start off with the first one monday night uh the wwe allowed fans and attends for the first time in several months no one wearing masks uh were able to enter the Performance Center for the taping of Monday Night Raw. By the end of the taping, news broke that there was an NXT contracted wrestler that had been tested positive for COVID-19 that was allowed to int- uh, into the building despite the WWE knowing this information. So WWE sent out uh, the following statement, noting that the talent in question was um, at the Performance Center on Tuesday, June the 9th. Uh, as of now, no other individuals who were in contact with this person were tested positive. All the talent, production crew, and employees on site uh, and at the training and production facilities will be tested for COVID-19 immediately. And here's what WWE's official statement was. A developmental talent who was last on site WWE's training facility on Tuesday, June the 9th, had tested positive for COVID-19. Since that time, no other individuals that attended the facility have reported symptoms. However, out of an abundance of caution, and to ensure the health and safety of the company's performers and staff, all talent, production crew, and employees on site at the training and production facilities will be tested for COVID-19 immediately. Following the test results, WWE plans to proceed with its normal television production schedule. Well, Brian Alvarez uh, got a quote from the WWE rep that stated, quote, Fans have not been in attendance at WWE events since March uh, March 13th of 2020. Yesterday, a select number of friends and family were permitted to attend WWE's production. These individuals were required to participate in medical screenings prior to entering the closed set at our training facility. And were kept apart from in-ring performers uh, and production personnel. Attendance was below 20% capacity, and social distancing guidelines were uh, adhered to, uh, with at least six feet between parties. Thus, face masks were not required. Because this, uh, and that's the end quote there, uh, because of this and caused the WWE to cancel their tapings uh, that were set for Tuesday and reschedule them on different days throughout this past week, some t- uh, taking place at the Performance Center and others taking place at Full Sail University. Um, it was interesting to see that there was a quote from longtime producer of the WWE, Kevin Dunn, who basically said he told the fans that who wanted to wear masks, if they wanted to wear masks, that they weren't really fans. Now, of course... That's all rumor and innuendo. That's not a direct quote, but it's out there. So who knows what it is? So for this last topic, I'm going to end the quick sips portion because there's so much meat on the bones uh, that I feel that it needs uh, its own time to be discussed about. So I will wrap up, like I said, this week's quick sips and we will get to that topic. So what I'm going to begin to start talking about here is something that's not even going to really scratch the surface of some of the things that have been going on. Now, this past week, the hashtag speaking out uh, really became, uh, it blew up the wrestling world on social media. It it was um, an opportunity for people who have been put into bad sexual experiences, uncomfortable, unwilling, uh, a chance for them to finally come forward and speak out on their uh, experiences. Now, as it comes to professional wrestling, a lot of things have come out. There were allegations against Jim Cornette and his wife, uh, Stacy. They will get discussed uh, on his podcast tomorrow, Monday. Uh, he'll be, you know, he's been given guidance, obviously, from his his attorney Stephen P. New to not really speak about that. That's fine. Uh, there's so many others here, um, up to and including Jack Gallagher, who was released from WWE over this allegation. Dave Lagana who resigned from his position as the NWA's vice president on Friday, a day after the uh, allegations of misconduct came out. Jimmy Havoc, who um, was not released by AEW. Nobody really knows specifically. I don't know his situation, but AEW put out the following statement on June the 19th. We wish Jimmy Havoc all the best as he receives treatment and counseling in an effort to overcome the mental health and substance abuse challenges in his life we are aware of various reports related to Jimmy. We are evaluating his status with our company and will address it when he has successfully completed his rehabilitation. Um, there are more about Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, right after he had other allegations from earlier this year that have been coming uh, to the forefront. There have been several against Joey Ryan, who kind of to me was shocking. Only for the fact that he has been such an advocate for trying to speak up for so many that he was kind of hiding his own, but there have been other people that have come forth and completely confirmed his information. There was more about Matt Riddle, who they pulled his (laughs) announced debut for SmackDown, but he still does debut. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, But apparently that has been an ongoing situation for over two years. My point here is this. No way, shape, or form should anyone ever put anybody in an uncomfortable sexual situation. It's uncalled for, and it's just its not right. I give these women all the credit in the world for speaking out. But that being said, I'm only reporting on the things that have been put out there. The thought process to me is if a company went this forward to release somebody or maybe uh, step down from their position, probably means that there's a good chance that that portion or that scenario was true. Again, we live in a world where you are innocent until proven guilty. You know, most of these came with screenshots uh, from Twitter. A lot of them were direct messages. However... With uh, a couple of minutes and 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 you know, couple of clicks, you can really doctor anything the way that you want it to if you have the right vendetta. Again, I'm not saying that any of that is the case, but also in these you know times that we live in, you kind of have to let everything completely play itself out before you can sit there and fully point the finger and say that somebody is guilty. That being said, in the end of all of this, if you have any any insight to want to learn more about this? It, it's out there. There's so many reports, but there's so much meat on the bone that I could probably do the the entire show based around this. But I would have to do as much research as you would for a college term paper because it's that much information that came out in such little time, and it's 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 crazy and just how much has been put out there. But you know, it again, I I'm always for people. Standing up for what they believe in because, first of all, you know, in the day, the, the times we live in, you know, cyberbullying is a thing. And, and we just saw what happened to Hanukkah You know, when people start to keep stuff inside, you know, it can bring out dark times and and, and even lead to, to worse things. So once they get this off their chest, then they can move on with their life. If it's something that's really happened to them and has been affecting them, which is why I, I encourage it so much, uh, that they're coming forward. And uh, as other things in this world, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, and and you know, racism, which has once again become a huge, a huge topic, uh, that you know, someone like myself, who's you know, been brought up my whole life to 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 not look that way at people, but there still are people that are, and I'm glad that you know, there there have been the thousands upon thousands of people in this company, uh, not company, in this country, who have spoken out and and, and protested and done what they needed to do uh, to try and and right the wrongs that have been out there for so many years. That also being said, um, it's time to clean up the almost, uh, I'd say rock and roll style of, of, of professional wrestling. Because you, you look at, at the old days of professional wrestling and those guys who were out every night partying and doing drugs and drinking, and now you look at it and you say, hey, it's a bunch of guys that don't really do drugs, but they like to play video games. But clearly, that's not all they're doing. You want to rid the world of these people who you know try and take advantage of situations uh, like this. So again, all the, all the kudos in the world to these women who have came out, stated their peace and, and, and got taken the, the next step forward and trying to, you know, move on with their lives and, and get some of these dark times, uh, out of their past and look to more positive futures. All right. Now that we, uh, have been able to move on from that, I'm going to take a quick little sip break here. 3-3's Brewing, if you're ever in New Jersey, take exit Uh, 31 off of the Atlantic City Expressway, on your way down there. It's about five minutes off there. You won't regret it. Everything that those guys do is great. And a side plug, the Process Potables YouTube page has an interview that we did with them a couple months back, right before their anniversary this past March. So we begin Monday Night Raw. Randy Orton comes out and talks about how he did exactly what he uh, did needed to do at Backlash. He claimed that he also gave Edge some closure on some level. Uh, he then is the one who announced that Edge suffered the torn tricep and took credit for sending him home to be a husband and a father instead of being at Raw. At this point, Christian's music uh, hits, and he comes down to confront Randy Orton uh, to defend, I guess, his best friend who was injured at Backlash. And uh, Orton tells Christian that you know he's jealous of Edge, And just wants one more match himself because he never got the closure that he did uh, on his career like Edge just got the prior night at Backlash. So he challenges Christian to an unsanctioned match because he knows that the doctors won't clear him and insisted that the offer expired at the end of the night. So leave that little teaser there. Up next, Kevin Owens versus Angel Garza for like the fourth week in a row. Before this match, Angel Garza and Zelina Vega were interviewed by Charlie Caruso. Andrade uh, wished Garza lucked, but looked—you uh, know he looked like he was still upset and how backlash turned out for him You know, when he lost in the pre-show. He wasn't even on the show. Andrade uh, and Garza end up getting into an argument at ringside during this match. Vega stormed off uh, as uh, they go to a commercial break. When uh, they came back, uh, Andrade is now at ringside, and uh, Garza hit a missile drop kick for a near fall. Uh, He kept uh, Owens down with a submission uh, until he he got to the bottom rope. Uh, Andrade got up on the apron, uh, but then Owens was able to hit the stunner onto Angel Garza for the win. Uh, Zelina Vega came back out and then told both of them, well, told, she more or less screamed, at Angel Garza and Andrade that they need to work together, but neither man appeared to want uh, things to keep going on. I don't, Like that they're breaking them up already. That's just me. But uh, obviously we're going to let things play out. You know, remember here, obviously this was a big Paul Heyman thing. And uh, yeah, now that Brucey's in charge, we're going to see how that works out. Bobby Lashley and MVP uh, were out after the break here to talk about his loss to Drew McIntyre. Uh, MVP put the blame on Lana. and Lashley uh, agreed with that. He said that the WWE uh, champion uh, should give him a rematch. If he has any integrity, uh, Lana at this point comes out to the ring and tells him that he is stupid for banning her from ringside in the first place. At which point then MVP uh, and Lana argue until Lashley finally takes the microphone and says that he wants a divorce and him and MVP leave the ring. Man, two divorces in a year span. that That's a new one for pro wrestling. Um, and then the only thing is, is what do you do with Lana here? Uh, that's kind of just my only thought. The Viking Raiders and the Street Profits up next versus Akira Tozawa and his ninjas. The Viking Raiders and Street Profits, uh, you know, here for an eight man tag. Uh, one of the ninjas posed for a moment before Eric beat the crap out of him with a running dropkick. Angelo Dawkins uh, was tagged double team with one of the Vikings uh the 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 biggest ninja uh was silently at ringside he was not part of this match and when he actually got into the ring well that is when the big show's music hit and the big show came down and they all destroyed the ninjas so i don't is this leading to a match well once again there's more on the bones with the big show after Raw went off the air, uh, Seth Rollins is out in the ring cutting a promo on Rey Mysterio. Uh, he came out to talk about Rey and Dominic. Uh, Mysterio ends up appearing on the screen here and he warned uh, Seth essentially that Dominic was on his way to Raw but pleads with him to not hurt his son. Now Rollins is out in the ring by himself. Eventually, Dominic jumps rollins in the ring and he goes to his you know he, he gets rollins outside he throws him into the steps and then uh is when austin theory and uh, i'm already losing the name here uh murphy come out and uh dominic's able to escape them so uh yeah he he gets to escape and run out through the crowd so Good for them. We'll see where that goes. I'm assuming we're getting closer and closer to the actual in-ring debut of Dominic. Need that beer here. Um, up next, Iconics versus Natalia and Liv Morgan. So, after, uh, not winning at Backlash, they're still trying to stay relevant here, the Iconics. Uh... Peyton Royce and and Liv Morgan started off this match, but Natty immediately tagged herself in. I think they're leaning towards a Natty heel turn again soon. It's kind of where it's been going with her having these temper tantrums. Easy enough for me to say after uh, these last couple of months. Uh, Billy Kay eventually tags herself in. Uh, The Iconics eventually hit that finisher that they have uh, that almost looks like um, Gallows and Anderson's finish, almost. Uh, They hit it on Natalya. Uh, uh well, no, they hit it on Unlive Morgan. Uh Natalia was was out of the ring at this point. Billy Kay and Peyton issue a challenge to Bailey and Sasha Banks for the Women's Tag Team Titles uh for tomorrow night on on Monday night Raw. Apollo Cruz versus Shelton Benjamin. Now, uh before this, MVP was shown in the back trying to re- uh you know, recruit Apollo Cruz. Uh but Cruz refused his offer. Now, should we get the Shelton Benjamin out here? On Shelton's way out we get a pre-tape promo from Shelton basically telling him that he's a fool for not taking up MVP's offer. Now, personally, I think an MVP stable with Apollo Crews, Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin could be tremendous. You have the the veteran in Shelton Benjamin, you have the monster in uh, in Bobby Lashley, and then you have the young guy, Apollo Cruz, who can learn from the other two. I think it's a great dynamic that they could really make some uh, some money with here. Uh, decent match here. In the end, uh, Apollo Cruz ends up winning with uh, the sit-out powerbomb. And uh, during this, MVP was shown scouting Cruz, uh, Cruz from the backstage on the monitor. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to keep pursuing him. So we'll see. I, like I said, it's only going to uh, elevate Cruz if he ends up getting uh, that alliance with MVP Uh, up next so there was a backstage segment where Lashley and MVP were going after R-Truth and we get a match here with these two against Drew McIntyre and R-Truth where R-Truth agrees that winner take all essentially so if if, if MVP pins R-Truth he becomes the 24-7 champion and the WWE champion in this match uh, so Lashley and and McIntyre start off this match uh here tonight on Raw. Uh, they they lock up, begin brawling in the corner. Uh, uh Lashley ends up hitting him. In, uh in the throat and took over this match. Uh, McIntyre began uh, to make a comeback. Truth tug- tagged himself in, uh, and he ran right into a suplex from MVP before Lashley threw him into the barricade. Uh, we go to a commercial break and we come back. Uh, McIntyre here is in control. Uh, he hits uh, MVP with the Future Shock DDT. Lashley breaks up the pin. Uh, Truth then sends uh, uh, Lashley into the steel steps while McIntyre hits the Claymore on MVP for the win. So uh, at this point... You know, they retain the belts. It's all good there. Asuka, Nia Jax, in a rematch from Backlash the night before for the Raw Women's title. So, it's out there that apparently Vince McMahon changed the the finish to this match. Originally, Nia Jax was apparently supposed to win. Okay. Not that I would have... uh, Oh, no. I said that backwards. He didn't want Nia Jax to lose or get pinned so quickly upon her return. Again, who cares? Uh, in this match, uh, remember if you remember at backlash they the match ended in a count out here. So Jax uh, gets a few shot in right out of the gate here and then Oscar locks in the armbar really quick and, and Nia Jax breaks free. Jax ends up powerbombing bombing Oscar outside on the floor, which really looked bad. Uh, eventually, we'll we'll keep moving on with this match. Oscar countered a Samoan drop. From the middle rope and hit a double stomp for a two count. Nia Jax ends up arguing with the referee. Asuka ends up rolling her up, a roll up, another fucking roll up, while the ref does a fast count so that Asuka can retain. This was not as physical of a match as it was at Backlash. It wasn't good. The referee making the fast count after he, you know, he shoved Nia. I think it's going to end up being the way for Nia to lobby herself for another rematch, but I don't want to see that. Please, please, no. In the main event, so early in the evening, like we talked about, Orton uh, challenges Christian to a non-sanctioned match, and that uh, we get two different points throughout the night where Big Show and Ric Flair, who were at this show, tell they try and talk Christian out of it. Christian comes out on the stage uh, about an hour prior, and he accepts the match. So here we are. He comes out in street clothes. uh, Just has his hands taped up. And Ric Flair's music hits right as the match is about to start. He comes out once again trying to tell Christian to not do it. And he tells him that he has to do it. The bell rings, and Ric Flair low-blows Christian. He is then punted by Orton, and... I don't even know if there was a pin. I believe they just punted him, and that was where uh, this match ended. So, first thoughts here. Ric Flair looked really good for being 72. Uh, His his hair's getting longer. He dropped down for that low blow, and then he rolled out of the ring, and he walked back fast. He sounded good when he was speaking on the mic earlier uh, in the show with Charlotte. I don't know. After what's kind of weird is when, when Orton's heel, when he's really creepy like this this is the best Orton the whole time after this happened, he's, he's, he's yelling and saying that it was Christian's fault and then he was sorry for doing it. And then he, he asks, he asked the, 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 the emergency crew, if he can help get Christian onto the stretcher as raw went off the air, you know, Randy Orton, earlier in this show, or maybe a couple weeks ago, these shows blend together, but he basically has said that he doesn't need a title, which says that he's out of the title picture for now, which is great. Because Randy Orton in the title picture just doesn't really work for me. Randy Orton is now, he is now one of your biggest attractions. Forget guys like AJ Styles who are great still in their prime. Randy Orton has now been in this company for 18 years on the main roster, and besides injuries, hasn't taken breaks. So he is now the leader. He's the leader of, of all this stuff. And right now he's he's finding that stride that he had 10 years ago with Cena, and I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with this. Now, personally, this says to me that, hey, Edge got hurt. This was going to go on for a while. We saw what happened with Daniel Bryan and his concussions. Let's see if Christian's okay. Something tells me that this man has to be cleared in order for them to do this. I think that this was, hey, we'll do this. We'll write you off. We'll give you a couple months to train. You come back and have a match with Orton. So I'm thinking that that's where we're going. That's just my personal opinion. That's not reading any type of notes, but I could see that that's easily the direction that they're going here. You got to use Orton in these right scenarios. All right. So that's, that's just my two cents on, on that situation. The only other thing that I will say about raw, like I did mention earlier, Ric Flair was in the back talking to Charlotte and listening to busted open radio earlier this week, they did almost an hour on that segment alone. And they basically felt that they were insinuating, because Charlotte has been very very vocal about this in the past, that she wants to wrestle the men. And so, they were speaking about doing Charlotte and Randy Orton. And now, I don't know how I feel about that, but I feel that if there's anybody that could make it convincing, would be Charlotte. And I say that because Orton's a professional, she's a professional. She lays her shit in, and she can stay with the best of them. So if there's ever a man that she's going to wrestle and could have a freaking tear-down-the-roof match with, it's going to be Randy Orton. Obviously, time will tell. WWE's never been really big on the intergender thing, but I feel that Charlotte Flair kind of can do whatever she wants to. As well as Randy Orton. So if that's something that they want to do and they feel that they might be able to draw some money with it, by all means let them go with it. Uh the problem there is that obviously you'd have to turn Charlotte babyface for it, but you could tell the the easy story that, you know, uh you know, you could do something where you could put Ric Flair in between them. And this is the point that that, that Bully Ray made. You put Ric Flair in between the two of them. And he's always been the biggest fan of Orton and the biggest fan of Charlotte, and then he has to choose. He chooses Charlotte, Orton turns on him, and now she's fighting for her dad. Simple story. You could get away with it that way. I just thought that that was an interesting point to bring up on this show. We're not going to talk about Impact this week. Impact just kind of went with the flow. There was nothing that really stood out to me as being great. Uh, This is the first time I honestly can tell you I watched a match from the North, and it was against uh, the Rascals, and the match didn't really do anything for me. Uh, after the match, it did like a comedy spot, and it just it wasn't clicking for me. Uh, I pretty much fast forward through that entire show, uh, except they teased the EC3 will be making his return at Slammiversary, uh against Moose. I mean, we're gonna just we're gonna recap Slammiversary when it happens uh, on my birthday weekend, actually, in just a couple of weeks. So so keep. Keep your eyes open for that one. On to AEW this week. This show, just like Raw. Now, I didn't really make, make make Raw seem to be that exciting, but Raw was almost like WCW Nitro in the 90s, where it was just so much. It was thing after thing after thing after thing. It didn't give you a chance to really process what you just saw, which is one of the things that Nitro was good for, but it also was... In its own detriment for. Because, again, you couldn't really process what you just saw. Quick swig of beer here. Doing a lot of talking here tonight. So, AEW is that way every week. But this week, it was just no exception. We come right out of the gate here. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Tag Team titles against Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. Uh, Remember, Brandy is out with them, but not Allie. The match kicked off the show. Uh, right away, Rhodes and Omega started off this match. Uh, these two guys were having... They, they did a spot where they both hit heads, and uh, you know they both shook it off. Hot-tagged Adam Page, started the comeback for the champions. Uh, Hangman unleashed a poof, beat the shit out of both of them. Uh, Rhodes and QT... Uh, and as things were starting to uh, wind down here, eventually QT Marshall gets uh, into the uh, offense position. And then this is when Ali comes out. He goes, you know, he hits a diamond cutter. He goes up to the rope for a moonsault and he misses. At this point, uh, Omega and Paige delivered the last call to pick up the win and successfully defend the titles. And yeah, this uh, this natural nightmares thing is going to keep Continuing, uh, but Paige and Omega successfully defend the titles. They will be going on to defend at the two-night fighter fest, which they have announced that every title, which, I mean, AEW only has four, will be defended across those two nights. It's basically going to be a pay-per-view split up between two weeks of dynamite. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, July the 1st and July the 8th, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern on TNT. Up next, now, recently, I don't remember Anna Jay. I believe that she was... Uh, maybe on some darks. I don't remember her actually being on an actual dynamite broadcast, though. Uh, she apparently is part of the Nightmare uh, family. I guess she's, she's trained with Cody. She's from Georgia. She made her return this week, and she's got a, an interesting look. She calls herself the star of the show, comes out with the, with a top hat and stuff like that. Uh, and I like, I like her look. She's a young girl, and they had a package for her to make her seem... Like she was a star, which is not the only time they do that on this show. All right. So they basically say that this is her return. Here's this great grand package. And you're like, okay, Her who's her opponent? Her opponent is Abaddon, who is somebody else that I've never seen. This woman comes out and she's a gimmick and a half. She looks like a zombie. She's got like a red eye and completely... Um, Apparently, you know, I'm, I'm doing some research here on the fly. She wrestled Hikaru Shida on Dark a few months back and hasn't been seen since. So uh, she comes back here and Anna Jay just looks stunned. Like she has no clue that she, you know, who this person was that she was, you know, about to, to take on. And right out of the gate, very, very quickly, Abaddon defeats Anna Jay. And she just looks so disheveled in the ring. And at this point, Brody Lee and the Dark Order make their way out onto the stage. Um, Evil Uno and uh, the other dude, who I couldn't give two fucks about, uh, are out. And they are giving a folder or an envelope to Colt Cabana, which I guess is his his actual offer to the Dark Order. And the rest of the Dark Order is in the ring picking up Ana J. And they help her out of the ring And Brody Lee extends his hand to her and takes her in there. I like the idea of this, bringing the female into the Dark Order. And Anna J, pretty girl, young. You could do something with her. She's not a known name. So you can now create your own narrative with her. This is good stuff from AEW. They are now, they have plenty of established characters. Now it's time for them to start being able to create their own. I'm very happy about that. And I think that that, that she's going to work out pretty well with them. Up next, MJF versus Billy Gunn. Uh, MJF and Billy had just a fun match here. Billy, you have to remember, is like 6'9", which is crazy. Billy's like 55 years old. MJF is 24. And... Billy's been in the ring, Billy has 30 years in-ring experience, and MJF is 24. They do all the deaths or the heel spots where he throws uh, Billy over the rope and then he's posing, Billy gets back in the ring and he backs up and then hits, you know, he backs right up into the chest of Billy and he gets the oh shit look on his face. Uh, they they do a great, fun match here, He Billy even hits the Famouser. Uh, but MJF uh gets out of it. Uh, Wardlow ends up tossing MJF the ring. Uh he gets the one shot to the face. Well, it was the classic he put he put the ring on while he was ducked down, and as Billy was getting him up, bam, shot. Randy Savage did that spot so many times. Well and as well as as well as Ric Flair in the nineties. You watched WCW in the nineties. That was such a big thing. You pick somebody up. They would have the object in their hand as they would do it. They would pop up one shot to the face with a knockout punch. And and I called it. I was sitting there watching it live and I saw that that was the direction. I loved it. MJF continues his winning streak and gets a, a win over a Billy Gunn, who is obviously a well-known name in the world of professional wrestling. TNT titles on the line next with Cody. Um They made the announcement that he would be facing the first non-contracted wrestler for the TNT title. Now, between you and me, he's only been the champion for a couple weeks now, and he's only had two defenses. So this is his third defense, and there's another promo video here. But this time, it is for Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks from the NWA. He's had a, a solid run there. Uh, I believe he was the TN, the television champion for the NWA in this last run, uh, with power, uh, that they have. You can still watch all of the episodes on YouTube and Ricky Starks comes out here. Now, mind you right out of the gate, they make him look like he's a star and like he's a main eventer and that he's arguably the hottest free agent in wrestling. Uh, he comes out right away, takes the fight to Cody, um, Couple of things that happen here. He he gave uh, Cody a leg drop right on the apron. Cody hits a vertical suplex for a near fall. Um, the whole time, Jake Hager was watching on in the backstage. Uh, Starks hit a a top rope superplex followed by a high cross body uh, that you know was that sent both guys to the floor. In the end here, a lot of near falls, but he ends up hitting the crossroads kind of out of nowhere. I was watching this match, and then next thing you know, it was crossroads for the win. Uh, but I still enjoyed it, and I th- know that right after this, they signed Ricky Starks to a contract here with AEW. Another young talent that has other experience that they can now control their their narrative with. Now, I discussed last week with Dan, and this was a great point that he brought up. The AEW has a lot of people, but it seems almost that they're too afraid to defeat some of them. So rookie Sark's coming in. He loses his first match, but he still looks great. Where do you go with him from here? We'll see. But uh, they need a lot of mid-card to upper-mid-card people slowly to build their roster. And this is a great opportunity to start continuing to do this stuff. Uh, a lot of those NWA guys right now don't have contracts. Uh, and after seeing how lagana has gone down and, and they don't know what they're doing, I unfortunately don't know if the NWA is going to make it uh, past the COVID-19, but that's a whole nother story in itself. Um, on this show, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian against the Young Bucks. Uh, the, the the real point of this match is the Butcher and the Blade jump up on the screen dressed like fucking Waldo. Yes, they were both in white pants and uh, giant Red and white striped shirts wearing red beanies. This is real. FTR comes out as well. It ends up being a giant uh, skirmish in the ring after the Bucks win uh, this match. Uh, Obviously, Jimmy Havoc's gone for a while, as we heard in the quick sips portion. So who knows what's going to happen with Kip Sabian. Obviously, Penelope Ford is on her way to Fighterfest Fest to face Hikaru Ishida. She's the number one contender for the for the women's title, so we're still going to see Kip Sabian, but who knows what kind of role he's actually going to have on screen. The main event here... Well, let me take a, another sidebar here. The, the, they continue to do great stuff with Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel, Reba, as she calls her, uh, where this week they almost... They have they have her her cart that she sits out on in the wheelchair. Like I said, weeks ago, when she was hurt, they need to keep her on TV as much as they can so she can keep her heat. And they are doing just that Uh, here. Big Swole ends up driving the cart and does the classic where to Stephanie, but she does where to Brit and she drives her off and then she throws her in a dumpster. At which later in the show, Rebel comes and finds her in the dumpster and Britt comes up and she's fully committed. The eye makeup is ran. There's a banana peel on her head. She fires uh, Rebel and she walks away and then she rehires her. Then she comes back and she asks where Tony Schiavone is and says that she put Tony on a friendship timeout, which she did earlier in the show before she got driven away in the car. Britt Baker, once again, is so entertaining. I'm loving what they're doing with her. And finding her a way to keep her heat. Now, the one thing that they need to do though is they need to find the, the balance of heat and comedy. Because eventually her comedy is going to overcome and it's going to turn her into a baby face, which you don't want. She needs to keep her heat. Uh, and and so necessarily her getting thrown into dumpsters every week isn't the best thing. Eventually she's gonna she's just gonna have to keep picking on Tony and and, and Rebel to uh, to keep that heat. So the main event on this show is the best friends, Chucky e. T. and Trent versus Lay Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Now, Matt Hardy, classic Matt or vintage Matt, I don't actually know what he's referring to himself as, but normal Matt Hardy is out here on the commentary desk for this main event. And uh, this was just, you know, a, a standard Jericho match. It had all the, the glitz and glamour. Sammy did and hidden did the spot where they posed laying down in the ring. But this match was for the number one contenders match. Now, already best friends are the number one contenders for the world tag team titles. That's going to happen at Fighter Fest. They put their shot on the line here against Sex Gods. Uh, In the end, Orange Cassidy was dressed as one of the cameramen. And he ends up costing Sex Gods the match. And so the best friends win here. But it just puts more fuel to the fire of Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, which is definitely going to be a match happening for Fighter Fest. For as much hate and 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 things that I've said about Orange Cassidy, he's going to have. A, he had a great match with Pocket Revolution. That, that's, that's not let's not take that away. But what really made that was the crowd reaction. You take the crowd out of that match, and it's just really out there. So I'm curious to see uh, what him and Chris Jericho come up with. But Jericho Jericho takes his, his craft seriously, let's put it that way. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, uh, Fighter Fest in a couple of weeks will end up recapping both of those nights weekly on uh, this very program. All right, so on NXT, I know that the show is running a little tight, so we're just going to quick run through some of the stuff that happened on NXT. Imperium uh, took on Brizango. Brizango came out dressed as Imperium, it was pretty cool. Uh, Imperium defeated them to retain the tag team titles. Uh, Damian Priest uh, defeated Killian Dane in a match, which I kind of found interesting because. Killian Dane is a guy that NXT has done a very good job of protecting. All right. And he lost this match to Damian Priest who is somebody I feel that they've been really trying to build on top of how I said they have had uh Killian Dane run a lot of matches. Damian Priest has lost a lot. Uh so that kind of comes with the territory of putting him in a match with, you know, Keith Lee all the time. Aaliyah defeated Zaya Lee. Now, on Aaliyah's way out, she went over and got a intoxicated... (laughs) Uh, His name is Robert Stone. I couldn't believe... I, I wanted to call him Robbie E, and I couldn't remember what his name was for a second, but she picks up Robert Stone, who's got the... He's carrying a bottle. He looks... His clothes are all out, and he ends up causing the distraction by throwing up in the middle of the ring. And then Aaliyah wins with, you guessed it, a roll-up to defeat Xia Li, And Aaliyah leaves with Robert Stone. So maybe the Robert Stone brand isn't so dead after all. Which I really didn't think so. In our very... Okay. We have back-to-back promos here. One was really good. One was really bad. The really good one was Timothy Thatcher... And he's in a ring, and he's teaching submission moves to a class. And it was really kind of peeling the the curtain back on him showing stuff, but it just shows that he's just a tough, rugged son of a bitch, and that's the character they're going with. So I, I like that. And then in the worst segment of the Undisputed Era, taking Roderick Strong to therapy. And the doctor was Kyle O'Reilly. But they never show Roger Strong seeing it was Kyle O'Reilly. And it was just so strange. I, they, they try and have him overcome his fear of being put in a trunk by having him try to get into a trunk. And when he sees the trunk, he just runs away to end the segment. It was garbage. And I can't believe that it made it on a primetime TV. That's just my two cents. Some people probably loved it. Wasn't really my cup of tea. So Adam Cole's in the back doing a promo in front of him is that hourglass that at the end of last week's show, Scarlett dropped at the end of the ring. And you see Keith Lee walking in the background and he comes up to Adam Cole and he tells Adam Cole in the back that Karrion Cross is going to be one that's going to take the title from Cole. It's going to be Keith Lee. Keith Lee then takes that hourglass and shatters the hourglass. Interesting, maybe foreshadowing. So now Adam Cole comes out to the ring. That's a promo about how he might want to go after Keith Lee's North American title. Lee comes out followed by Johnny Gargano, who says that, you know, he wants to uh, take the North American title from Keith Lee and then he's going to take Adam Cole's title. And then Finn Balor comes out who says that he called out Keith Lee and never got a response last week. And then when he takes the North American title from Keith Lee, he's going to come after Adam Cole. Did you follow that? Yeah. So William Regal at this point comes up on the screen and announces that next week Keith Lee is going to defend the uh, North American title against Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor in a triple threat match. Whoever wins that match will then face uh, Adam Cole on the July 8th edition uh, of NXT in a winner take all match, so I guess with their taping schedules, July first is going to be a tape show going up against Night One of Fighter Fest, and you'll see in the next couple weeks where they're going to try and probably stack the deck on that July eighth show uh, when they go live against uh, Fighter Fest Night Two. Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez uh, defeated Caden Carter. Uh, didn't it was a match that was just filler here. There's a vignette. Mercedes Martinez is coming soon. I thought that she was already on the roster. I didn't know that she went anywhere. But okay. I guess they're giving her time to try and figure out what they're actually going to do with her. Um, Bronson Reed defeated Leon Ruff really quickly. After this, Reed cut a promo uh, on Cross challenging him. And he calls him out for next week's uh, edition of uh, NXT. Which is the first person that's ever actually called out. Uh... Carrying cross. So we're gonna see how that works out uh, for Bronson Reed. I'm sure you know he's gonna be the first person to maybe get like some offense in on him, but really quick, uh, he'll get shut down by carrying cross. Uh in the parking lot, Cameron Grimes apparently slashes Damian Priest tires. No follow up on that. Yeah. This show had a lot of questionable things. Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde, all dressed in suits, matching, came to the ring, and Escobar cuts a promo. Um, he says, growing up, his dad always told him that he'd be a leader, not a luchador. Drake Maverick interrupts and comes out uh, for a fight, uh, but the numbers game was was far too strong for him. Escobar eventually uh, put Maverick through a table outside the ring, uh, and then during the commercial, uh, they show afterwards that Maverick was loaded into an ambulance, uh, with Jake Atlas checking up on him. Main event of the show, Bailey and Sasha Banks against Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart for the women's tag team titles. This match was not good. And it wasn't not good in the sense of how it was put together. They had an okay match. It was fine. But it was little things in there that infuriated me. First of all, Tegan Knox, Shotzi Blackheart are in a world tag team title match on the wrestling show. Now, NXT has always been branded as the wrestling show, not the entertainment show, the wrestling show. Neither one of them at one point were ever holding a tag rope. There was one point where I even rewound on a tag to see if she was holding it. And Shotzi Blackheart was nowhere near that tag rope. Seriously, come on. If the WWE is still going to go through with putting tag ropes on the ring, they need to make sure that these people that they're putting in tag matches know that they need to hold a tag rope. Or, straight up, make the referees tell them that they have to pick up the tag rope. Make them do a tag, and then say, oh, you didn't have the tag rope, and call them out on it. Put it in a really awkward spot, but then really have the announcers get over The reason that there's a tag rope there, the purpose of the tag rope is so that there's basically uh, a a level of reach. You have the length of the rope, your hands on it, and as far as you can reach, that's as far as you can tag. This isn't the Indies. On the Indies, they make up their own goddamn rules nobody tags people do blind tags. people just get in the ring and do other stuff, which is one thing that uh, Aew was bad at right out of the gate and Chris Jericho nipped that right in the bud. thank God. But we're talking here about two people who they're trying to to build up here. Also, Tegan Knox once again does this fucking choke slam. Tegan Knox is five foot seven. Sasha Banks is five foot six and she chokeslammed Sasha Banks from the apron to the ground. It literally looked like she put her hand around Sasha's neck. Sasha jumped up and just did a flat back onto the ground because there was nothing that Tegan Knox could have done to elevate her. She should not be doing chokeslams, which is a recycled bit that I've talked about on this show in the past, but it was not good and it just added to just really angering me uh, about how this was. In the end, uh, they do a, an interesting finish where Shotzi Blackheart has uh, a, a pin on uh, Sasha. Bailey comes in and flips the legs of Shotzi up and rolls her over, which then Sasha was able to jump right out and hit the bank statement for the tap out. After the match, Io Shirai hits the ring and takes out Bailey and Sasha Banks. So, Obviously, they're going to be doing something. I got to assume with Io Shirai uh, and either Bailey or Sasha Banks. Bailey is the SmackDown Women's Champion. Io Shirai is the NXT Women's Champion. Uh, so we'll see where that goes uh, in the coming weeks. But all in all, this was not one of the better NXT weeks. And um, <laughs> Sasha Banks took to Twitter to state how their their main event match uh, beat the AEW. Main event match and ratings, but uh Chris Jericho was quick to point out that they didn't win in the all important eighteen to uh thirty-five or the yeah, it's eighteen to thirty five demographic that they're uh looking for. And finally for this week, we're gonna talk about Friday night SmackDown. SmackDown starts off with Renee Young in the ring. She introduces AJ Styles, uh, who is out here to be presented with the Intercontinental title that he won last week in the tournament finals against Daniel Bryan. He says the only person that he feels fit to present him the title is Daniel Bryan, who is around the ring. Uh, There's several SmackDown stars surrounding the ring, almost like a lumberjack style. And he has um, Daniel Bryan put the the title around him and, and Daniel does it. He gets in the ring and then this brings out Matt Riddle. So we still get Matt Riddle here. Uh, He says that you know AJ. He hears that he's the face that runs the place, and he says, "Well, I'm the bro that runs the show." So right out of the gate, we're gonna get Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles in a non-title match here. And these two had a fairly good match. Now, what kind of helped add to this was not only were there people in the audience, but there were wrestlers around the ring making noise. So it kind of helped really make this feel special. In the end, uh, Matt Riddle ends up defeating. AJ Styles here with the uh, bro Derek uh, for the victory here. So uh, great match right out of the gate, uh, best match probably that was on this show. Right, I mean, but how can you go wrong with with AJ Styles? And uh, I'm sure that this is just the beginning of this feud that's going to uh, continue on. On this show, they do a pre tape backstage thing where Jeff Hardy talks about his loss to Sheamus and says that you know he's lost several matches in his career and he's going to lose several more. He goes on to say that you know he is a junkie and that he's been an adrenaline junkie his whole life and how he is an alcoholic and you know he he admits to those things. You know, basically, he he doesn't want to be uh, a bad husband, a bad father, uh, but he knows to catch himself. He says these days before he can spiral out of control. He ends by saying that he's not done yet. Later in the show, Seamus admits that you know things have gotten serious and the lines have been crossed. He says that you know. Hardy saying that Sheamus is a bully made him realize that, yeah, he is a bully. He being Sheamus, of course, pronouns, pal. Um, and and people like Jeff Hardy deserve to be bullied, adding that next week, everyone will need to grab a drink because he will toast to Jeff Hardy. My goodness, I knew that this wasn't going to be over. There's a match between Shorty G and Mojo Raleigh where um, Shorty G ends up winning. I love Shorty G. Once again, I'll say it to I'm blue in the face. Bring back Chad Gable. He had so much more personality as Chad Gable. Uh, Sonia Deville interrupts Mandy Rose on Miz TV. This was a a pretty rough segment. Uh, Mandy uh, ends up getting slapped by Sonia. Uh, Sonia continues to cut great promos, though. She's really good at being able to run down her best friend. Uh, hopefully, eventually, that doesn't you know cause any issues in a real life friendship that these two have Um, in the end after Sonia leaves Ms. Smiles at Mandy Rose and she slaps him and then leaves it's yeah I don't know like I said the positive out of that is how Sonia DeVille is so consistent with her promos and she's doing great work here the New Day versus Lucha House Party what was interesting about this is Sasha Banks and Bailey were out here on commentary so, mind you, they have also accepted the match. So tomorrow night, they're going to be facing the iconics once again for the women's tag team titles. Uh, Bailey and Sasha are quickly becoming uh, the Charlotte Flair where they're de- showing up on all the shows, which I'm fine with. i I can't get enough of Bailey and Sasha. Uh, they have a great dynamic. They are now, you know, veterans who started in NXT like that 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 whole first main class of Charlotte Becky. Um, Sasha and Bailey. They're now on the main roster and have all been there for some for almost six years, some for five. And now they're they're kicking ass and they've really established themselves and have all um, adapted their characters and evolved them over the years. And they're, they're doing great stuff. And it's nice to see them inter, inter mingling still uh, with different shows and especially in the NXT with the younger talent. Quick swig of beer. I have a co-host so I can, uh, you know, take those uh, on the other sides. But Lucha House Party and New Day, in the end, um, after this match where um, the New Day win, right away, Nakamura and Cesaro hit the ring and beat down the tag champions. They come out. They high-five Bailey and Banks, who are at ringside. And Cesaro yells at the commentary team, telling them they beat New Day and they weren't featured at all on the show. It was never brought up. And, um... You know, they they want a shot at the New Day in the tag titles. Okay? At this point, Nikki Cross comes out and attacks Sasha Banks. And we get a match with Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross. It's an okay match. My girlfriend kept wondering why Nikki Cross likes to smack her boobs a lot. Um... I don't have an answer for that, but that's one of her things these days. But I'm I'm assuming it's it's her knee slap. It's just that, you know, she's constantly making noise. Sasha ends up hitting a uh, she rolls out of a pin, hits a meteor and uh, stacks uh, Nikki up for the win. So there's uh, there's that. Sasha continues and the final segment of this show. Braun Strowman out in the ring and he gets confronted by Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse. But then we also get the return of the original Bray Wyatt on this show. And the show ends up with him doing his old run while he's holding the lantern. and He blows the lantern out and the show fades to black uh, after he also just followed the, bl- the buzzers. I-, I don't know. Unless you're going to go with him facing old-school Bray now at Extreme Rules before you get to the Fiend finally at SummerSlam. like My thought process here is this. If he keeps defeating all of Bray Wyatt, then how does Bray Wyatt still keep getting title shots? So I don't know where they go with that from here, but I guess maybe that's the direction they're going. Is original Bray Wyatt versus... Uh, Braun Strowman for the title of Extreme Rules. And it's it's the WWE's version of several uh characters of Matt Hardy. Well, they have their own. They have Bray Wyatt. Uh, quite an interesting uh, an interesting week to say the least. So yeah, that's really everything that co- occurred this week on on the TV. Obviously, you know there were some highs, there were some lows. Uh, Monday Night Raw and uh, an AEW. Had some good stuff. Can't deny that at all. Uh, but all in all, it's just, we're getting a lot these days and some of it is just unbearable. You know, you add the COVID stuff that we talked about earlier in the show and it makes a lot of it questionable, as is, is is this all worth it? And that's an interesting thought. You know, we're going to keep having um, those thoughts as we move forward. Obviously, uh, the WWE is not going to stop. So we'll see how uh, things unwind going forward. Extreme Rules coming up in a little less than a month. Uh, Fighter Fest in less than two weeks. Uh, TNA Anniversary, Impact Anniversary coming up in a little less than a month as well. So more stuff with wrestling coming up. And New Japan just started up this week and so much more. Obviously, follow us on Twitter at PowerbombsPPN, all of our other shows, PucksPPN, Process Potables, and popcorn ppn i'll talk to you next week for another edition of power bombs and potables until then stay safe and stay over